Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We are not doing this, however, without considering the works we are committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Good morning, everybody. We are going to start a new series And we are going to go through the book of Jonah. We went through the book of Jonah six years ago, and it's one of my favorite books. It really is something that I think is powerful. We're going to be talking this morning about prophets and parables. We're going to be talking about radio waves, and we're going to talk about building water dams in the curb when you were a kid, okay? So open up to the book of Jonah, and we're going to start with the first three verses as we go into this. The book of Jonah, it's on page 774 in my Bible. Verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. As way of introduction, Jonah is a story, and it's a whale of a story. <laughs> it's a wild one. But there's facets of this storyline that are very familiar I mean, they're familiar in a lot of our folk tales and things that we've heard. Here, we see that a person is trying to escape their destiny. How many stories are about that? About a a guy or a girl who is trying to run away from their potential, from their destiny, so to speak. We see a ship that's caught in a storm, a large fish that shows up at exactly the right moment. These are all these elements that are in some of our most beloved tales. And they're elements that are found in this story, but the story doesn't require a whole lot of background information to understand it. Everything that we need to know in, about this story is in the text. It's really a simple story 
but it's very profound. The only troubling questions that are there, they're pretty big ones, and the, the questions are, what is this story and why is it in the Bible? What, what is the story of Jonah? And, and you see, this is where we, we start dealing with the idea of prophets and parables. You see, Jonah isn't found in the historical writings. It's not found in the Chronicles and the Kings and Samuel, first or second. There, there's a little mention of Jonah in Kings, but for the most part, it's a prophetic book. And when we talk about it being a prophetic book, it's not that it is proclaiming the futuristic or prophesying about foretelling things. What the idea of prophecy is, is basically inspiration. It's inspired by God and then delivering that inspiration to others. Remember, the idea of inspiration has to do with filling of air. When you inhale You are taking in. When you are inspired, you are taking in what God gives. When you exhale, you are giving out. That was kind of the role of a prophet. And so it's a prophetic book, not that it isn't historical, but it wasn't meant to be taken in a historical content. It does show up again in 2 Kings chapter 14, but unlike Elijah or Elijah that have ongoing narrations, Jonah doesn't. And it's interesting because even though he doesn't have this historic presence in the books, Jonah is unlike any other of the prophetic writings. The other books of prophecy are exactly that. They're mostly prophecies. They have Little or no narration. There are constant proclaiming, thus says the Lord. This is what God says. In the book of Jonah, it's almost all narration except for one sentence. And that's found in chapter 3, verse 4. So the whole book, in a sense, is this kind of parable, this telling of the story. And the whole story is found in the book. So unlike these other books that were prophetic, where there's constant prophetic utterances. In Jonah, there's only one, but the book itself is telling an important tale. What's interesting is Jonah has unparalleled success. None of the other prophets had the success that Jonah did in this book. A whole city converts and changes its way. Jeremiah didn't have a single convert in his whole book, and he's a major prophet. So none of the other prophets have what we would say is the success. They didn't have that experience, even though they are the big prophets. But what makes that so interesting is Jonah did something that none of the other prophets did. He ran away. Isn't it interesting that the prophet who runs away, unlike all the others, has the most success? Why is that? I'm just, I'm not telling you why. I don't know. I'm just wondering why is that? It's one of these things that is an important question. You see, every now and then the prophets would tell a parable. 
We have Nathan, the prophet, who goes before David and said, oh, there was a rich man who took this poor man's lamb, right? And he said, David, you are that man. The whole disclosure of David and what he had done with Bathsheba and Uriah killing her husband. Or you'll have, you know, throughout Ezekiel, there's all these, you know, illustrations, all these parables. But again, Jonah is one big parable. It's kind of a continuing parable. It is the story itself that conveys this prophetic, this disclosing of what God is trying to tell. The whole story is telling us something. And so as we're reading through this, it's meant to bring about some things that are important. And so what is the message of Jonah? And really it has to do with a man's struggle with God over justice. Is God going to be just? And it's kind of like the book of Job in this way, but unlike Job, the, the question that Job would ask, why do bad things happen to good people? The question in, in Jonah's sense is, why do good things happen to bad people? Why don't bad things happen to bad people? Why, why is there sometimes good things happening to bad people? Why don't they get what they deserve? But the struggle isn't the main point of the story. It, it just sets us up for the main point, which is kind of a spoiler alert, but you guys know the story, so it's not going to be like, oh, no, this is what happens. The city is saved. What? Why did you tell me that? Because you all know that, right? You ever have a, a radio and you're driving up and you're listening? I know now we have our iPods and things where we listen to music, but you ever are tuning into a station and, and then you start going, say, to the desert somewhere or up to the mountains and your favorite radio station starts to go out on you? And it's like, ah, it starts breaking. And if you're listening to, you know, a talk show or something and it's getting to a crucial point, it's like, what do you do? Or it's my favorite song. And then here comes, you know, the chorus. Oh, and it's gone. And you try and dial it in and you're sitting there and there's the static. I mean, radio waves are this electromagnetic wave of a certain frequency that's used for long distance communication. And the only way to get that communication is to dial into the specific frequency. And the olden days, <laughs> they used to have a knob that you would dial. Now it's, you know, all programmed. It's all digital. But you would have this little dial. And it's like, you know, if you're trying to find, you know, 94.7 when it used to be KMET before it was KWEB. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? The wave. Uh, you would just dial and you'd have to find where is it on this little scale that you're dialing to. You had to get there. And then when it would be nice and clear, boom, you hit it. Now, digitally, you just post there. You guys have no idea the struggles we used to go through to have to listen to music, okay? The message of Jonah is really about being in tune with God who is speaking. Being in tune is an important thing. Being in tune how one person, maybe it's a parent, for example. A parent, have you ever seen your child and you notice something's happened to them by their countenance? There, there's something you're in tune with and someone, you know, made fun of them at school or something happened to them that caused them to disturb and you see it and you're in tune with it. 
Why? Because their feelings become something that you can understand and kind of resonate to that. This is the focus on the mind, you know, of how I can see what's happening to another person. I can feel felt by them. And then in turn, that brings us closer together. And and this state is crucial if people are in relationships to feel like you have an active, a live relationship. There has to be this understanding. You have to be in tune with one another and how you feel. And sometimes we have to to go through those things and and explain them so that the other person fully understands that. But really, that's what's happening here because we are blessed that we know that God is attuned to us, right? We, we have Jesus through the suffering of Christ. We know that God knows what we feel, that he is our high priest who suffered in every way like us, tempted in every way like us, but did not fall. And so he is attuned to us and the things that we're going through, you see. But God also desires for us to be attuned to him. God wants us to know what he is feeling using that word. What is he experiencing? His love, his compassion for the world. And we will never understand God or be on the same page with him unless we are attuned to him. We dial in to what God is experiencing for the world, for the people of the world. And the central thrust of the story of Jonah is this education that Jonah is going through to try and get himself attuned to God. It's one that's going to hopefully lead to transformation. But it's hard to get to that place. Sometimes this education is difficult. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it breaks you. And so here is this man who is called by God to fulfill his destiny. But through this story, there is going to have to be an understanding of what God wants. There's going to have to be a breaking of himself to get to understand what it is God wants. And I wonder if any one of us can relate to that. I wonder if any one of us has this sense that God has a purpose for my life but you're not sure what it is or maybe you're afraid to find out what it is because you're afraid of what it's going to cost you. See, I can remember hearing the voice of the Lord to use that terminology, speak to my soul and saying, Sam, I want more of you. And at that time, I was already on staff at a church. I was already doing about 60 hours a week. And I was thinking, I got no more to give. And God was saying, I want more. And it was something that pressed in on me. And I said, okay, God, well, I'll pray about that. And I did, but I did nothing. Oh, I asked a few things around and I had an idea. But taking another step, big step that I felt was pushing was a lot. And then there was a moment. There was the same kind of thing. There was that place in the story where crisis hits, where you get broken and you say, okay, I'm in. And it's difficult. 
Before that, we felt we heard the voice of God. Both my wife and myself had the same scripture come to mind. And we had no idea it was a scripture that is talking about breaking the plow so that you would move on from this place. And to us, it sounded, oh, that sounds so exciting. But breaking a plow is kind of a scary thing when your life is farming, right? And so there is a breaking that needs to take place. And that's really what we see here is God is trying to tune into or get Jonah to tune into what God is thinking. But for that to happen, there's got to be a breaking. There's got to be these difficulties. And truthfully, we don't know if it takes place with Jonah, right? We, we see that God puts him through these things that calls him to transform him. But at the end of the story, we're not really certain if it takes or not. The end of the story is a question. And it's there, and I love questions. You guys know that, right? God leaves Jonah with this question, and I think sometimes that's there with us. God leaves us with a question that's pulling us to be attuned to him as much as he is attuned to us. And we just need to dial it a little bit of a, a, a little bit. In verse 3, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah. This was the revelation. This is where it begins. It's a typical introduction to a book of prophecy. We see it in Hosea 1.1, Joel 1.1, Micah 1.1. We even see it in Luke's gospel, chapter 3, verse 2, where he says, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. There it is. The word of God came to them. The presentation of something that God wants is now in your hands. It's now for you to do something with it. That's what happens here. The word of the Lord came to Jonah saying that God revealed something to Jonah. God wants Jonah to be in tune with what he's saying here as it takes place. And these introductory words, they're important, but they're not what grabs our attention the most. What grabs our attention is they appear here to assure us that what follows is inspired. What's being said is telling us that God is in it. But the reader or the hearer Their attention is directed to this city called Nineveh. The prophet actually is incidental. It's the city of Nineveh that becomes the focus. And and sometimes in Scripture, nations have a symbolic association to God. might be Egypt, right, as being that of bondage. Or one nation might epitomize violence or another idolatry, false gods, so on. Uh, You think of the images that are evoked when you hear about Egypt or maybe the Philistines or the Assyrians or Babylonians. They represent everything that is opposed to God and all that being heathen means, right? It's all about these things are against what God is trying to do through this nation. They had these false gods. They had these false sacrifices. Here is the one true living God. And so there is this separation that takes place. If you want to know Israel's feelings about Nineveh, you can read the book of Nahum. They weren't good. It was, again, one of these oppositions against what God is there for. But the way it's presented in these first few verses is this the great city, 
This line, the great city, appears at the beginning, verse 2, in the middle, chapter 3, verse 1, and at the end, chapter 4, verse 11. Great is the key word. Great city, great wind, great storm, great fear, great fish, right? All these things keep showing up. If I were to tell this to Kyle, I would say really big. Okay, that's kind of the idea. It's a really big city. It's a really big fish. It's really big wind, big storm. These are the things that are coming. And this is a really big story that we're being called into. And so to make certain they heard that repetition, it would be repeated over and over again. Cry against is another key word that takes place. And it's the same word that's used in in verse 5 where they cry to God. It will be used to highlight Jonah's stubborn streak. His job was to cry out to Nineveh so that they could call on God, but he himself refused to do either. Jonah rose up as God told him, but instantly he deviated from God's command. We see Jonah and other people in Scripture that there is a pattern that forms the character of that person. We, we see that this happens on and on again. When, when God speaks, there's something that takes place. What we see are critical and revealing points in their lives. These points occur not in a, a daily ritual, but at crucial moments. Right? You, you have Moses Here's God through the burning bush. God says, I want you to do this. Moses says, I I can't. I'm not qualified. You have Samuel. Here's the verse, the voice of God. And it is told, you know, to respond and say, I'm here, Lord. What, What do you want from me? We see characteristics. We see even Saul, the first king. His characteristics were that of pride, where he was hearing the people speak of David and was jealous. There there are moments, it's not like it's happening all the time, but there are moments that happen that define the character of that person or show that. And I, I think we can identify these things in Jonah as well as in others' initial calling. The person has an undeniable encounter with God. God speaks to them. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Think of Peter. When the word of the Lord came to him and he saw his Messiah, God assigns the person the role of a prophet. He may also give him an idea of his general task. I'm going to ask you to be fishers of men. I want you to go to the city of Nineveh, to Saul who became Paul. I'm going to show you what great things you must suffer for my name's sake. There is this representation God appears to you makes known himself to you and then he gives you something that he wants you to do and then almost always the person's immediate response is to back away and argue about inadequacy depart from me Lord I'm a sinful man Peter says Moses I can't speak I'm not eloquent right there's this response that takes place when God appears to these people And then God resolves that objection and sets the person to work. And so when the people hearing this story, 
hear the storyteller begin to narrate this type of scene, they would know what to expect. Okay, okay, God is saying this. This is what God wants them to do. They're rejecting, but then they're going to come ahead and do this. But Jonah breaks that typical form, that type scene. They would know what to expect, but Jonah doesn't do what's expected. He doesn't protest or argue about his inadequacy. He simply runs in the opposite direction. Question. And and I wonder sometimes, you know, where we fall. Do we either tell God, no, I can't do that, I am not adequate to do that, or do we just run away from it? What is our scenario? Where are we going to go in this area and in this story? Because he runs from the presence of the Lord. Presence literally means the face of God. He runs from the face of God. The same words translated before me in verse 2. A person who lived before God's face or in his presence was conscious of God, was aware of God, was acknowledging God as a part of their life and knew that God was at the same time conscious of them. And I think that's an important, just like God is attuned to us, it's important that we're attuned to God. Well, we might be conscious of God, but are you aware that God is conscious of you? What things would change if we were aware that God was watching us, with us? Would we be so quick to snap and be impatient, right? You know how it's like when you have an argument with your family, but there's other people there, right? You're so well behaved, right? Your kids are acting up and you look at them and you go, you better right now, right? <laughs> you kind of growl at them through their teeth where if they weren't in a public place, they would not be growling. Right? It'd be, hey, knock it off. You'd, you would verbalize those things. Or maybe you wouldn't. Maybe I'm just confessing these things of what happened in my family. And I assume that you guys are like me. But you're a lot more comfortable when it's just the family. But if someone else is there, it changes your perception because you're aware of that other presence. Are we aware of God's presence? See, running from the presence of God is an awareness that God is there, but also an awareness that God knows that you're there and is there working in your life as well, that he is attuned to you. Remember how Adam and Eve tried to hide from God's presence? It's the same idea. They're going to try and move away from where God is. It's so nonsensical, and we think it's silly, but do we do that? We just don't regard the presence of God, not conscious of him or his consciousness of us. Jonah made a horizontal dash away from God at the seaport at Joppa, but he also was moving vertically. He ran away from God, what God wanted to do, not realizing he was doing the same thing vertically as he was horizontally. Our actions show our attitude. Things we do show what we believe and where we're at. And that's what we're seeing unfold in this story. You see, the word up occurs twice in verse 2 and 3. 
and now down occurs twice in verse 3. Down to Joppa, then down into ship, right? Going up is representing progress. Down is regress. Up is good. Down is bad. Up is hope. Down is despair. Up is life. Down is death. God called Jonah up. He chose to go down. There will be enough up and down movements in this story to be seasick. (laughs) But that's how it goes. God calls us up, but when we choose another direction, it's always down. God's always calling us to choose life, and he sets those before us. When I was a kid, I used to love to build little dams on the curb when there would be a trickle of water coming down. We'd get some mud and sticks, and we'd make a dam to to hold back the water and see it build up. And man, I mean, we made some elaborate dams. I, I don't know what happened to them. They might still be there to this day. You know, I mean, they, they were just, we'd get sticks and, and we'd get mud and just whatever we could, rocks to build up this dam. And they'd go way out into the street. But inevitably, that water was just too much. You know, who knows where it's coming from? It's got this whole stream of water coming and it would slowly build up, slowly build up and eventually it would go around, it would go over. It was just a matter of time where there was too much water and it couldn't support it. And and I think so many times we, we try to stop the progress of God, not even realizing it. We just think, I can't do that. That's too much. This is too great. And we stop thinking it is going to stop the movement of God. I think of so many people who were told that they weren't good enough and went on to prove them wrong. In fact, I I have a list of a few. Walt Disney was fired from Kansas City Star in 1919 because the editor said he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. (laughs) Oprah Winfrey She was an evening news reporter and apparently got fired because she couldn't sever her emotions from her stories. Eventually, she was fired from the producer of Baltimore WJZ-TV. Imagine that guy later on. You fired who? Yeah, I'm the guy who fired Oprah. Jerry Seinfeld was fired after a poor performance on his very minor role on the sitcom Benson. You guys remember Benson? And apparently no one told him he'd been fired and he found out by when he showed up and read through and discovered that his part was missing in the script. (laughs) How humiliating. You don't have what it takes, Jerry. Sorry. After a performance at Nashville's Grand Ole Opry, Elvis was told by a concert hall manager that he was better off returning to Memphis driving trucks for their career. Aren't these great? Albert Einstein, he didn't speak until he was four. He didn't read until he was seven. He was subsequently expelled from school and was not admitted to the Zurich Polythemic School. Long story short, he overcame all these things, right? You see, the momentum of what they could do exceeded the roadblocks in their lives. God was moving. Jonah was resisting. Who's going to win? There are two men in Scripture 
who were sent out from Joppa. Both of them were sent with a message from God to the heathen, to the Gentiles. And both of them had problems with that assignment. Okay, we know Jonah's one. Do you guys know the other one? Peter. Peter had to be shown in a vision that God was not to be, or not to tell God that what he cleansed was unclean. And why did he have to be shown three times? Because his religious prejudice was so entrenched in him that he mistook it for reality. That his prejudice was mistaken for reality. And God had to push down that dam so that he could move. Both Jonah and Peter needed an education. Transformation is one of those popular words that we use in kind of that Christian lingo. But what is it? What is transformation? It begins when I can see that my feelings are flawed, perhaps my ego, that my resentments, my culture or prejudice, they're flawed. Something needs to be changed. Transformation occurs when I feel what God feels and I begin acting on what I see through his eyes and feel in my heart. The whole story is an education. Can we get Jonah to feel what God feels? Can we get Jonah to see how God sees You see, our life is an education. What is stopping us from seeing things the way God sees things, from feeling things the way God feels things? Because that's what needs to change in us. When I begin acting on what I see through his eyes and feel in his heart, that's when I'm transformed. The education of Jonah and Peter received is is one we all need to take place in our own lives. We are going to experience the transformation into Christ's image that we hear so much about when these things take place in us. And of course, if we don't want to be transformed, we can always try running from God. doesn't work well. And that's what's before us in the story of Jonah. Let's pray. Father, it helps me to see in this story how transformation looks or maybe better how it doesn't look and lord when i look at this story it questions my heart what are the areas that i am running from what am i stepping down from how have you spoken to me and what have i done with those words father i believe that your calling is not just to Jonah, is not just to Peter, but it is to all of us here in one way or another that 
the voice of the Lord has spoken to Sam, has spoken to Beth, has spoken to Kareen, has spoken to Ben, has spoken to us. And you are wanting us to do something, to tune in to what you are doing so that our lives can be in line with that. And I, I pray for anyone who's afraid to respond to that voice because of what change brings. I pray for those of us who are afraid of the discomfort of change. And I pray for boldness to be able to hear and to step into the things. God, I don't care if you have to speak to us three times. May we not tune out your voice. May we not settle for a life that is less than the destiny we have. May we we not give up on that one job that said we didn't have enough imagination. May we not turn away from that calling just because there was something in the way. May the force of who you are and what you're doing, the progress of your love for this world, carry us with it. May we learn, may this be an education for us just like it was for Jonah. And in the weeks to come, may our hearts be open to learn all that you want to teach us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May your life be an education where you learn to tune into the voice of God and allow Him to tune into you. May you allow His voice to shape the direction that you move. May you not run or give in to fear. Give in to the current that He is moving in. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Hope to see you again next week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.